MC Lobshire, the host of the Cash Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cash flow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobshire, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at how you can grow and scale a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio quickly. I'm joined in today's episode by Tim Bratz. Tim Bratz is the CEO and founder of CLE Turnkey Real Estate, a real estate investment company that acquires and transforms distressed commercial and apartment buildings into high performance investment assets. Tim began his real estate career in 2007 as a commercial broker in the competitive New York City real estate market, where he saw the true potential of real estate to transform lives. He spent time reading, attending workshops, and networking with accomplished entrepreneurs and found that being resourceful was a cornerstone to becoming successful. Tim's resourcefulness helped him build his first real estate company in 2009 in Charleston, South Carolina, when he used a credit card to acquire his first property. Tim transformed a rundown duplex all on his own and turned a profit on his first deal. He reinvested those proceeds, meanwhile seeking private capital to expand his growing company. Today, Tim still uses the formula for success, which all starts with being resourceful and having the right mindset. Working in real estate, Tim has learned how to build a passive business and create a residual income that allows him to live the lifestyle of his choice. Tim now focuses on educating and empowering active and passive investors to become financially free through commercial real estate. Under Tim's leadership, CLE Turnkey owns over 1,300 rental units across five states and operates one of the largest property management companies in Greater Cleveland. Tim is a husband and a proud father, organizer for CLE Captains of Industry Mastermind and Cleveland Entrepreneurs and Business Owners Meetup Group, uh, a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, and an active member of several high-performance national entrepreneur masterminds, including Collective Genius, Dealmaker Family, The Brotherhood, Multifamily Boardroom, and Advisors Council. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you can go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form to see if you're a good fit for our group. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. 
Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Tim, welcome to the show. MC, excited to be here, buddy. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, yeah, really excited to connect and, and, and excited to have you on the show. Tim, um, um, I figured a great place to start would be to share a little bit about your background and journey uh, with my listeners. Sure, man. Uh, well, again, thanks for having me here. You're doing some awesome stuff. I really appreciate all the value and content that you've been putting out there. And um, yeah, honored to be here on, on the show. So I got started, you know, probably the same way a lot of people got started in real estate. There's this allure of uh, passive income and residual income and the idea of mailbox money. And so when I was going through college, 03 to 07, um, everybody's like, hey, if you want to make money and get wealthy, you need to get involved in real estate. And so um, when I graduated from college in 2007, I moved out to New York City and uh, got my real estate license. I thought that that's, uh, that's what people meant, I guess. I didn't understand the whole world of investing. And um, I was a commercial real estate agent that brokered office leases and retail leases. And I remember uh, you know, taking a, about a 400 square foot space and renting that out for one of these landlords in Manhattan. And he was getting $10,000 a month on the lease with a 4% annual escalation over a 12 year term. And I did the math on that. I thought, man, this guy's making almost $2 million over the next 12 years for something he did one point in time. And I realized pretty quickly after doing my first deal of brokering that I was on the wrong side of the coin, that I needed to be owning real estate instead of brokering real estate. So I, um, you know, for quality of life, I ended up moving down south to Charleston, South Carolina, a beautiful town, and just got um, excited. Went to some of these seminars and and saw some gurus about wholesaling and uh, flipping houses. And um, in 2009, I kind of got went through this analysis paralysis phase where I uh, took six months and I just kind of learned as much as I possibly could. Did a lot of personal development type stuff and and knowledge gaining and. Um, realized that I wasn't going to learn how to swim by reading about it in a book. I needed to actually jump in the water. And so I uh, uh, found the cheapest house on the MLS. This is after the market already tanked and didn't have a lot of money. I had about $8,000, $9,000 saved up. And, uh, but I had a credit card and I remember going to one of these seminars where they're like, you can increase your credit card limit by, you know, by just giving them a call and asking them to increase your limit. And so I did that. And I remember calling up the credit card company and saying, Hey, I need you guys to give me a hundred thousand dollar credit increase, like right now over the phone. They're like, who the hell are you? Like you had this thing open for about a year and a half. And like, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a car payment. Like you're, you're 23 years old and you have zero credit whatsoever. Like there's no way we're going to give you uh, uh, an increase to that. So I said, well, you know, acting all mad, how much can you give me right now? And they gave me 15,000, one five. And I said, fine. And, uh, you know, behind the scenes, I'm like celebrating because I'm so excited about getting a $15,000 line of credit. And, uh, you know, went, went through the process, found the cheapest house on the MLS. It was 25 grand, went back and forth. I ended up getting it for 14. And I, uh, I had my credit card company send me some of those balance transfer checks, you know, like the, the ones they send you in the mail and you like, you, you yep. rip them apart. They're perforated. Yep. And I remember walking into the closing with a check for you know, $14,000 and handing it it's written out like in, in, you know, blue ink and, uh, and I give it it's perforated around the edges and I give it to the closing attorney. He's like, what, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? He goes, get the hell out of here. Like take this to the bank, deposit it, bring me back certified funds tomorrow. And I was like, oh yeah, like I, I know what I'm doing. And, uh, 
you know, just made made a fool out of myself, but it was, um, it was cool. You know, like, like you got to go through that whole process and learn so much from doing that first deal. I did all the work on it, physically went there, painted, did the landscaping, Google searched how to change out carpet and how to change out light fixtures and uh, how to improve the process or pro- the property itself. Um, and then I, I just Google searched how to sell a property and somebody's like, hold an auction, hold an open house. And so I printed out a bunch of flyers and handed them out to all the neighbors, held an open house. And one of the neighbors came through and offered me $33,000 for the home. And I was into it for maybe like 18. Um, and after closing costs, I probably netted around 13, $14,000 on that. It was the biggest check of my life when I was 23 years old. And so that was um, just over uh, 10 years, oh, I guess it was nine years ago now. And um, been crazy. So, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, going through this transactional mode, although we're all, we all want this passive income and the residual income. I think there's this notion that, that we believe uh, we need to go through this transactional building up a stockpile of cash, which is complete nonsense, not the case whatsoever. But, you know, I got stuck in that transactional mode. I got into wholesaling, was wholesaling a bunch of houses and uh, started flipping some houses. You know, eventually you meet people who have money, but maybe don't have the time or the expertise to invest in real estate and uh, you know, created some strategic partnerships with them. And, you know, I did all the work, they brought all the money and we ended up divvying it up. You know, I, I probably gave up 50 to 70% of my first two or 300 deals that I did um, just because I realized I needed to build a resume. You know, I needed to uh, get some deals under my belt to allow me to posture up with other lenders with other sellers with banks and um you know just and build some credibility in the space and so um yeah had had some bad partnerships that kind of fell apart and uh there was inequitable i was doing way too much work for uh, what my percentage was and i ended up splitting with those partners a few years ago and um for the past three years just been doing my own thing so uh built up a team we were flipping about 100 turnkey 100 to 130 turnkey houses a year and about 18 months ago, man, I looked back and sat back and looked at my net worth and realized that 10% of my time was being spent on my apartment buildings. I had about 350, 400 units at the time, and it consisted of about 90% of my wealth. And I realized I'm spending too much time in the transactional phases of real estate and I need to be working on building up my own, um, my own wealth. And so 18 months ago, I pivoted my, my team we don't have a big team. There's only four guys on my team. I have a, a COO. I have an acquisitions guy, um, a project manager to oversee renovations. And I had a dispositions guy selling our houses and I just pivoted. And I had the acquisitions guy start looking at apartment buildings instead of single family homes. I had my project manager start looking at apartments and renovating apartments instead of renovating single family homes. And I had my dispositions guy, instead of selling single family homes, he just started managing our, our own assets. And so, over the past 36 months, I've picked up uh, just shy of 1,400 units. I have another 1,200 under contract. Uh, my current portfolio is about $100 million, and I have another um, $100 million of, of real estate under contract to close uh, the next about 90 days. So, I'll be at about $200 million of assets inside, you know, three and a half years of doing this. It's quite amazing. And I mean, it all just started by taking action, right? You went down that, <laughs> went down that path. Hundred uh, percent, man. I, I think a lot of people, you know, they get paralyzed and they start creating these excuses in their head of why they can't do something. And you know, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't have the connections, I don't have the knowledge. 
And I remember Tony Robbins saying that resourcefulness is the ultimate resource. Like it doesn't matter if you don't have the money. It does, like you can go find it if you are resourceful enough. If you're a problem solver, you can critically think and uh, you don't let the preconceived notions and the negative uh, uh, mindset uh, creep in. And, and um, if you're resourceful, man, I think you can just solve problems. And I think that's one of my unique abilities is like, I don't, I don't look for the obstacle. I look for the opportunity. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that you mentioned too is um, w- when you made your first move to it was about quality of life, right? And, and life, lifestyle design and living a life with purpose and building your business around this lifestyle and designing this life. Uh, can you s- share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I uh, you know, getting started, you know, I, I was burning the midnight oil and stuff when I was in my early 20s and just you know, grinding when all my friends were at the bar, I'd, I'd be hanging out and, and working on looking for deals. I'd be on the MLS and searching and making offers and stuff on the weekends. And, um, I think there's definitely a phase where you got to go through all that stuff in order to learn everything about the business. Um, but I've gotten to a point now where, uh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a short story on something I ran into uh, almost a year ago, been, been busy building the business. And I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My three-year-old daughter came up to me I came home from work. We did, we had dinner and then I was answering some text messages um, and some emails on my phone. My three-year-old daughter comes up to me at like 6.30 at night, the one night and starts tugging on my, my arm. And she's like, Hey daddy, daddy, come play in the playroom with me. I'm like, all right, baby, hang on one second. Let me just wrap this up. And uh, daddy, daddy, you know how, how three-year-olds are like, they don't take no for an answer. They just keep on tugging, tugging and tugging. And um, I'm like, all right, babe, hang on one second. Go, go start playing or, you know, and, and give me a minute. Let me just finish this up. And, um, and I finished up the message. And, and, I, and I look at the message that I sent and I realize how unimportant the message was, how unurgent it was. And I look down and my daughter's not there anymore. She's over in the playroom playing by herself. And I'm thinking like, what, what the hell am I doing teaching my daughter that the man who loves her most, more than any other man in the entire world, the guy who loves her the most or should love her the most, then ignores her because a phone is perceived as being more important. And I'm like, you know, what is that going to teach her? Uh, how is she going to uh, um, uh, think about me? Like, is she, eventually, she's just going to associate dad with disappointment. And she's going to associate dad with uh, being ignored. And what is that going to do when she's in dating age? Like, what kind of guys is that going to attract her to? Because now she thinks that guys that ignore her are the kinds of guys she, she should be dating. Or like, and, and what I think a lot of people don't realize is that like, you're imprinting over and over and over again. And eventually, um, when that association does get created, um, and, and, and then instead of associating dad with love and affection and, um, and safety, it starts just associating dad with disappointment. And then they start looking for gratification and satisfaction elsewhere, which could turn into drugs, sex, whatever. And so that was a very um, humbling point. In, in my life and, and the balance of my work life and, and personal life. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm super appreciative that I, that I was uh, aware enough to realize it when it did happen. And so, um, one of the tactics and strategies that I've implemented in my business and in my life is, is that's made a profound difference is time blocking. And just like, you know, I'm on a podcast right now. I'm not going to pick up a phone. I'm not going to double book an appointment or um, tell somebody to come in while I'm talking to you, MC. I'm, I'm, I have this time, time blocked. And what I see a lot of people doing is 
they'll time block for business, but they won't time block for their family. And all of a sudden business ends up creeping into their family life and they ended up just fitting family in around the schedule of their business. And I realized um, about nine, 12 months ago when this occurred that I didn't want to be that guy and I was going to build a business um, that fit into my lifestyle. And so I wrote out exactly what I wanted, like my ideal day to look like. And I said, Hey, you know, I want to come home. I want to be home by four 30 every single day and go and hang out with the kids. I'm not going to touch the phone. Not going to uh, answer any phone calls, answer any emails. Like the worst thing that could happen to me is like a building burns down and after hours, the, the insurance agent's not even in the office. So I couldn't even file a claim anyway. So like, it's got to wait till the next morning. So like, why am I stressing so much about answering unimportant emails late at night? And, um, and so everybody I know, everybody that I do business with knows that I don't touch the phone and they can't get a hold of me after 4.35 o'clock until the next day. And so I started time blocking my evenings and, and I don't even have the phone on the same level of the house as me because, you know, we all have that addictive personality to, to cell phones where if it starts buzzing, it starts beeping, you hear it make a noise or you see the light flashing on it, you naturally want to go over and grab it. So I, I actually turn it off and put it up on the charger upstairs and then I come down and, and play with the kids. I don't even think about it again. It, it makes you that much more present with your family. Um, so that's made a huge impact on me and I started then time blocking my mornings as well. And for personal development, so I can read, listen to an audio book, uh, listen to podcasts, and um, and then work out and work on on my my personal physical health too, and um, and so now my schedule looks like it, that. I take you know I, I work from probably I go into the office around ten thirty eleven o'clock, and I, I'm out of there by four four thirty every single day. So the reality is I'm working five six hours a day four days a week. I take Fridays off now and I don't pick up the phone on Saturdays or Sundays either. We have Friday family fun day. So I, I time block Fridays just to go hang out and do something fun, take the kids to the zoo or uh, the library or just out to eat or just to a park or just hang out. Um, regardless of what it is, it's like one of those things, that, a tradition that I want to implement with, with the kids that they always think back on and for having Friday family fun day. So it's, um, it's really made a big impact, you know, in, in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids and, um, a lot of people are like, well, dude, I, you know, I'm not at a place in business yet where I can't take phone, where I can't not take phone calls in the evenings. And what I found is that people um, that I do business with want to do more business with me because I because I prioritize the way that I do because they realize I'm not going to be bothering them when they're with their family, and they also realize that I'm not in this business for a quick buck. I'm in this for relationships. And that I wouldn't ever burn somebody just to make uh, money. Like money is, is secondary to those relationships. And so I've had people actually tell me that they respect me and, and want to continue doing business with me and uh, on a higher level because of, uh, of the way my priorities are set. And so, um, I mean, that's, that's powerful. And the other thing it does is it makes you be more productive in the four, five, six hours that you're actually in the office. So when I come in, I'm not just, you know, having, having these goofy conversations with people that, um, really have no substance. I'm going straight to work. I'm getting exactly what I, what I need to get done, done. And I'm planning accordingly and making sure that I'm taking care of the most important stuff to move the business, move the needle forward in my business. So it's, um, it's actually made me more productive, more successful, built my wealth bigger. We've been acquiring more properties since I've been working less in the business as, as counterintuitive as that may sound. You're listening to Tim Rutz on the Cash Manager podcast. We'll be right back afterward from our sponsors. 
Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. You're listening to Tim Brotz on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and I'm back to our interview. No, that's, and it's all by, by purpose, right? And having a, having that, that Very vision, right? Yeah. Being intentional with your time and your priorities. And, you know, we we invest in what we value. And uh, okay. we value what we invest in. So um, absolutely, it's made a huge difference for me personally too. And from a productivity standpoint, I the same. I, I feel the same way. You know, I get so much more uh, done than I had before in, in, in uh, a smaller amount of time. So um, it's uh, no, fantastic stuff. So Tim, talk to me a little bit about, um, so you shared how you were flipping um, and, and uh, you were even doing a little bit of wholesaling. Then you went into uh, the residential and, and single family houses in, into apartments. What were some of the key, I would say, things uh, that have attributed to your success? Uh, and you've touched on one, you know, how you manage your time of being uh, scaling so quickly. What were some of other, the other things that you could share that has been, uh, that, it, that has helped you immensely scaling uh, these multifamily properties? Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things for me that was a huge hurdle before I, I, got to this point in business. I was a solopreneur. I was doing everything. Up until three years ago, I, I didn't have anybody who worked for me. I was doing the bookkeeping. I was you know, collecting receipts and meeting with my accountant. It took me two weeks every, every April to do that. Um, I, was, I was finding deals. I was raising the money for deals. I was overseeing project management. I was selling the deals. Sometimes I'd even be swinging the hammer. And I remember you know, I made like $130,000, $140,000 in 2014. And I remember sitting down, um, I got invited to a mastermind and I went out to this mastermind. That's, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me like, what is something that you would have done differently or earlier or, or like changed, like joining a mastermind has been so profound with, uh, with helping me build my business. And so I went out to this mastermind. I sat down with a group of, you know, about 12, 15 people in the room. And uh, we're all going through, you know, some things that we're good at, some struggles that we're facing either in business or personal life. And the collective brain power in the room is like, oh yeah, I've been through that. I went through that six months ago, or I went through that three years ago, or yeah, I'm going through that right now. Here's what I did in order to make a difference. And uh, boom, it gets you, it gets you past those obstacles and through that, that, that ceiling that you're facing that much quicker. And so somebody said, um, I'm like, you know, I'm just drowning. I'm doing everything. And somebody's like, listen, man, you just got to hire an assistant. I was like, dude, what's that going to cost me? Uh, 35, 40 grand a year. I was like, dude, I can't, I, I made $135,000 last year. That's like a third of my income or a quarter of my income. I can't, I can't go and spend that. And they're like, you're looking at it the wrong way. Look at it as if you're spending $3,000 a month not 35, 40 grand a year. It's a $3,000 a month experiment. If it doesn't play out, give it 60 days, 30, 60 days. And if it doesn't play out, then you let them go. And you know, you invested three to $6,000 in that. And, um, uh, but if it does, then 
it'll, it'll be worth your time. So I went back, that was in February, 2015. And, and I hired somebody on March 1st of, uh, of 2015. And in the next 10 months from the, the power of human capital, being able to staff out those low level, not, I wouldn't say low level activities, but not the highest and best use of my time. And, um, I need to be focused on those revenue generating activities. And so by being able to take out a all the other stuff that, uh, that I could staff out, I was able to triple my income, made $400,000 those next 10 months in 2015. And so I, I went through this phase of like, oh my God, the, the power of human capital and the power of like leveraging other people's time, it was, was just remarkable for me. And I think what happens is a lot of investors like, or, or business owners get into that trap almost though. And then they start over hiring. They think they can hire out every single problem. And um, the number one reason that most businesses fail is for lack of cash flow. And the number one reason for lack of cash flow is for having too many people on staff and having too much overhead. And so I found myself in that phase in 2016 and, um, and had to let go. You know, I, I built up a management company. I had 25 employees and I had to scale that back in half. Uh, over the course of 2017 and just tighten up the operations. And so, you know, it's one of those things you go through the learning curves. And um, now I have just an awesome team realizing that if you don't have the right person on the team, you know, you got to get them out of there. If you have a conversation more than three times about the one person, like that person's got to go. <laughs> that's, that's our motto. Um, so uh, we, we, we built an awesome team. I have, um, a lot of people, the four guys that started with me all in 2015 are still with me today. And that's my core investment team. And then we have um, the management company as well. So um, yeah, I think, I think leveraging other people's time and finding out uh, and, and putting people in place that uh, supplement your skill sets or your weak, like your weaknesses, cover your, your weaknesses, cover your backside and um, can do the things that maybe aren't a driving force for you. It's more of a, it's not, it's not like, you know, guys like you and I, it's not that we can't do spreadsheets and we can't do analytics and stuff like that. It's just, it's more draining for us to do that. Like we like more the social aspect, the sales side of things, the raising of money, the building of relationships. That's more of a driver for me and my personality type, my behavioral type, where my COO, he loves spreadsheets and systems and, you know, organization and, and everything in order. Um, Whereas me, I'm, I'm probably, I probably bring chaos in there and then he, he brings um, organization to, to the business. And so um, it's, it works out really, really well because I can go out and build those relationships and then he could funnel everything into the system and the processes and the checklists and everything else that we have in place to run a very streamlined, clean, efficient, organized business. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I, th I think to answer your question, one of the biggest um, mindset breakthroughs for me was the power of human capital and finding the right people for the right seats in your organization and making sure that those people complement your skill sets. You've spoken about the power of masterminds. Uh, can you share the role that mentorship has played uh, in, on, on your journey, Tim? Yeah. I mean, I mean, big time. A lot of people go out to like a one-time event and that's powerful and, and it'll help you break through whatever hurdles you're facing. Uh, but what I found is that there's different levels in business. And when you reach different levels in business, there's different levels of struggles and adversity that you're going to face as well. So although you broke through after going to that one-time event, you're going to find yourself running into another hurdle pretty quickly thereafter. And the, the, the reason masterminds are so valuable is because you're usually doing like a quarterly checkup 
with a group of people who understand your business, they understand your operation and, and uh, your family and, and how you prioritize and what your business looks like and some of your key employees they might even know. And so when you go to them and you're like, hey, here's my new struggle, here's my new issue that I'm, that I'm running into, they can, again, help you break through that in a fraction of the time it would take for you to go and try to figure it out yourself and go through that learning curve yourself. So, uh, I mean, I mean, going out to my first mastermind, that mastermind that I went to cost me $30,000. So, going out to that mastermind, they're like, oh, by the way, it's $30,000 to join and it's going to cost you $35,000 to go hire an employee. So, um, you know, you're going to spend about half of your money that you made last year right. on these two things. And I'm like, what? And so, it was, <laughs> it was such a mindset, like, uh, I was like, I couldn't even see outside my situation. And, um, but I, but I trusted the guy who ran the ran the event. Um, he's still a mentor of mine. I was at an event of his the past two days. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I just kind of put faith in, in the people that have been there before and built big businesses and, um, that they'd guide me. And so it helped me get, get past those, those mental barriers. And, um, and then every quarter, whenever something else came up and I was struggling with a management company or struggling with a bad partnership or whatever that looked like, uh, there were people who had been there and done that and were able to, uh, fast track me to success and fast track me to, um, the answer and help me think more proactively in a lot of business scenarios and business situations. So I can't speak highly enough about masterminds and the value that they bring. It's not a cost to get into a mastermind. The, the, whatever the investment is, you will see a return on investment from the relationships you build, from the private money you raise, from the deal flow you get, and from the business advice and acumen that comes from those, um, and so there'll be a return on investment many times, like 10X, probably. That's what I, that's what I made on my first mastermind. I made 10X um, from deals I did with people in that, in that group and from being able to leverage the, the knowledge that I put in place from being in that group. And um, like if it's a $20,000 or $30,000 price tag to get into a mastermind, that's not to get in. That's to keep low-level thinkers out. That's to set a minimum standard of, of mindset of people that are going to be in this organization. So that way you're pushed to another level by surrounding yourself with people who can, uh, who can afford it or maybe not afford it, but they want to be at that level. So they need to get in the information in order to get in there. So, um, yeah, masterminds are super powerful. And I'm telling you like, that is, that is one thing I'm in five masterminds now because I believe in it. So, so, um, dramatically. I, I run one. I I'm in a multifamily mastermind. I'm in a single family mastermind. I'm in a business strategy mastermind and I'm an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mastermind. And, um, I get something, a different value from every single one of them. And I spend almost six figures a year just on masterminds. But again, it's, it's an investment and my net worth has increased from a couple hundred thousand dollars to eight figures over the past 36 months because of the information and the, any, uh, business knowledge that I've accumulated from all those different masterminds and the relationships that I built through them. And the individuals that's in that group, right? As you mentioned, the folks that get into those groups, that's definitely going to help you raise your game and elevate your game. 100%. Big time. They hold you accountable, you know? And you can have conversations in these masterminds that you can't have with friends you grew up with. You know, the friends with the same zip code of yours, like they just don't think it's, it's, it can be lonely being an entrepreneur. And so a lot of times we think in dollars and decimals and not to like brag about what, what our net worth is or anything like that, but it's, it's more to quantify um, your business. You know, in order, you, can't, you can't measure um, 
if you don't have metrics in place and you can't manage something if you can't measure something. So you need to have metrics. You need to have key performance indicators. You need to be able to talk about um, in quantifiable um, ways in order to talk about where business was, where business is going. And, um, and it's, it's just freeing to be able to go into a mastermind and speak openly about your business or relationships and personal and, and financial, whatever that looks like in, in front of a group of people who aren't going to judge you. They, they genuinely care about uh, your interest and in, in getting you uh, to that next level. And, um, and, and, you can speak openly and it's just, it's a, it's an open conversation. You know that they're going to um, keep everything confidential and it's, it's a powerful, powerful um, thing to be involved with. You've shared uh, some of the top actions uh, that, that new listeners that are looking to get into commercial real estate investing can take. Uh, Tim, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So probably a question I get a, a lot is, you know, what would you do, do differently uh, earlier on? Like, um, what are those skill sets that you need? And I think, I think the most important things uh, that you can learn how to do in any real estate, specifically in commercial real estate, is how to find deals and how to raise money. Because it doesn't matter what the economy looks like. It could have been you know, five years ago when it was really easy to find deals, but it was really hard to find money. Today, it's really hard to find deals, but it's pretty easy to find money. If you can dial in both of those skill sets, you will be able to ride out any economic storm, any uh, real estate whirlwind, and uh, it doesn't matter what the economy looks like or what the housing market looks like, you will be able to have success in, uh, in real estate if you can dial in those two skill sets. I, so I, whenever people ask me, I say, hey, get really good at finding deals, get really good at raising money, and join a mastermind for all the other stuff that's in between. One habit I've observed of very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and they're always learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning? Um, so I, I focus on just, just getting better at my, at my current skill sets. I like to double down and just be the absolute best in the world at what I currently do. Um, I find whenever, I, as an entrepreneur, I, I go into other different asset classes or you know, I got into like land development, I got into um, some C-class type stuff and it, and it took me away from, from what my core competency was, which was buying B-class apartment buildings. And so, I try to double down on my, on my current strengths, which is more raising private money and the financial um, forecasting and uh, uh, visionary type mindset for my business. Um, I still do things like, you know, I'm trying to learn piano, you know, I'm trying to learn Spanish. My brother just moved out to Madrid, Spain. And uh, so I do things like that to personally develop. And I'm always reading books on, um, you know, time blocking and, and prioritizing and um, trying to get better at all those different aspects of, of life, trying to be a better dad all the time. I just got a book on um, how to educate my kids on finance and some different tips and techniques and strategies on that front. So, I'm always reading. I'm always personally developing. Um, but I, I really like, instead of trying to be like a, a renaissance man and Superman and be good at everything, I, I think it's very powerful to be really, really good at one or two things that nobody else in the world can compete with. And you take a look at like a, a physician, general physician, practitioner, uh, yeah, they, they make decent money, make $100,000, $150,000 a year, maybe uh, even up to $200,000 a year. But if you take a look at the brain surgeon or, or the, uh, uh, the neurosurgeon or somebody who's like really super specialized in whatever their, their 
skill set is, those guys are making $800,000 a year or a million dollars plus because that type of skill set and that type of um, just laser focus um, is very hard to come by. So, um, although, I, although I, I do believe in personal development of all aspects, for me in a business sense, I try to just be a ninja at, at one thing. Absolutely. Now, to my core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by Love passing that. down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Man, I love that question. Um, so, one I hit on earlier, I think one would be resourcefulness. If you can learn how to problem solve, if you, know, if you can learn how to think critically, uh, you are going to be uh, instrumental and um, super successful no matter what you do. When you think about the highest paid and the most powerful people in the world, typically politicians and CEOs of major companies, the reason they're in those, in those spots is because they're great problem solvers, because they're very resourceful. They look for the opportunity and the obstacle instead of the obstacle and the opportunity. And so, I think resourcefulness was, would be a huge principle that I would love to partake uh, or pass on to my, my kids and future generations. Um, another one is like just integrity, doing what you say you're going to do. How many people talk a big game and then don't see it through? You know, like I, I think I think just doing what you say you're going to do and 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 mean what you say is a is a big thing that that lacks in this society. I, I'm very um, very aware of the commitments I make and the commitments I, I don't make. I just got off a phone call before this with some people who wanted me to raise money for their deal um, and sponsor their multifamily project. And I said, hey guys, I got another $100 million of real estate I'm raising money for. I got to go raise 15, 20 million bucks in the next 90 days. I can sponsor your deal, no problem there, but I can't overcommit and tell you I'm going to raise money for your deal as well. Why don't you make a proposal for me if I just sponsor and then if I sponsor and raise money, what, what that looks like. And, um, and so, I'm, I'm, I set very clear expectations with, with what's expected of me and what I expect of others. So, that way, integrity never um, can be questioned. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I think, I think that's a big, uh, I think that's a huge principle too. And then, um, you know, as we're, as we're getting into um, kind of the holiday season here, I think uh, another thing that comes to mind is just having an attitude of gratitude, realizing where you come from, not comparing yourself to other people. Somebody will always have a bigger bank account. Somebody will always have a bigger business. Somebody will always have a perceived better lifestyle. Um, and the reality is you can't compare yourself to other people because you don't know what kind of circumstances they came from or didn't come from, what kind of opportunities were given to them or not given to them. And, um, uh, I think you can only compare yourself to where you came from. Where did you start? And as long as 12 months from now, you're better than where you are today, I think that's a huge win and something that should be celebrated. And so, uh, I think having an attitude of gratitude and just uh, realizing there's people in other parts of the world that have to walk six miles each way with a bucket of water on their head just so that they have fresh water to give their family. You know, that there's people in third world countries that are eating mud pies for dinner tonight when we're able to go home and have a, a warm, you know, home cooked meal. And so realizing the opportunity, like we have electricity, there's electricity. I'm, I'm on the internet right now. Like think about the opportunities and all the things that we have to be thankful for that other people don't have 
uh, access to. And I think when you really put things in that perspective, um, it, it, you, you, you know, you, you realize that our problems aren't real problems. And, uh, I, I think it just, it, it really sets the, the table of just being appreciative and everything that you do, having a positive attitude and everything that you do by coming from a place of gratitude. Um, I think you're gonna have more success in, in everything that you do just because of the, uh, the aura that, that you give off because you're, you're a thankful person. So I, let's, let's say those three resourcefulness, having integrity and, uh, having an attitude of gratitude. Fantastic. Tim, where can my listeners learn more about you, uh, the, your companies, uh, and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, offering that. I mean, you know, I'm on, I'm on social media. I try to give a lot of content on Facebook. Um, so you can look me up, uh, Tim Bratz, B-R-A-T-Z. And uh, I'm on social media. Follow me there. Uh, I have a website for my investment company. Uh, it's uh, cleturnkey.com. I live in Cleveland, Ohio now. And um, that's where I'm originally from. So it's Cleveland Turnkey is the name of my company. So cleturnkey.com. And um, come, yeah, I mean, we're always doing deals. We're happy to joint venture with people, partner up with people from an active and passive standpoint. And so, um, uh, I really appreciate that, man. And, and Hey, MC, I really appreciate everything that you're doing, all, all the content you're giving and all the value you're conveying to your listeners and, and, um, everybody you're influencing out there. So really appreciate you offering all that positivity to the world. Thank you so much, Tim. This was a blast connecting. Appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. MC Lobshire, the creator and host of The Cashflow Ninja and president of Producers Wealth. And I'm on a mission to help you achieve economic and financial freedom as quickly as possible. I achieve this by integrating the infinite banking concept with real estate investments to increase your efficiency and returns and recapture cash flow that you're not even aware of that you're losing. I share the number one strategy for investors in my holistic wealth creation course at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.